All right. Well, hey, for everybody at home who's like finishing your golden grams and in your elf jammies and all that stuff, man, thanks for jumping in again with us and joining us here. And for those who are here in front of me, uh, like Brennan's already said, it is great to see you. It has been a long time, right? It's been a while. I think I may have either shared this in a, uh, I don't know, in a staff who were talking about this or maybe in one of the videos, you know, I did for, for our church. But churches, since Jesus left earth, man, if you just think about going way back then, all the things that churches have faced and encountered, it has been a lot of things. It's been wars. It's been holocausts. It's been plagues, right? It's been new countries, countries changed. It's been a ton of things since Jesus left the earth that churches would go about. But in my somewhat relative kind of informed knowledge of church life, I cannot think about a moment, a year, a season where a church, despite whatever they were facing, has ever essentially said, we're not going to gather together for about four months. Um, and the global church in this season has weathered something that I don't know if the global church has ever weathered before. And we're still weathering it. And what it looks like, who knows? Um, but it's been a while. So... We're so grateful, like Brandon said, for every single person who's watched us online and continues to watch us online. Thanks for joining us. And we're so grateful for those of you who are here with us today. Um, like the sign said, we've missed seeing you in internet land, and we've missed seeing you here in person. I can talk for Brandon and I. It's a, not, a lot nicer seeing your attractive faces than like, why? This place looked like a ghost town, let me tell you. So it's great that you're here. We're going to kick off a new series today, like Brandon mentioned. We're kind of in a new moment, right? Kind of reopening, trying to figure out what this looks like. So as we do that, we're going to kick off a new series today, um, and I'm excited about it. And so let me pray, and then we'll jump into what God has for us this morning. Father, I am grateful for the way that you've um, worked, not just in our church, but in so many churches. We're grateful that despite having to not gather together in person, we've been able to gather together online and are grateful for technology that uh, we have at this moment. We're grateful for your word that no matter what we face or when we face it, uh, it speaks to us, and it transcends cultures and transcends moments to hear truth from you, and we're grateful that as we open up this book today and as we do so in the coming weeks, we'll be able to hear your truth. And so I ask that you will work through this. I ask this morning for those who are discouraged, Father, and it's just been a long road, we continue to pray for them, and I pray that even right now, Father, you will give them peace, <coughs> you will give them comfort, who will give them strength. We want to honor Jesus as a church. We pray for continued wisdom. We're so grateful for the sacrifice and love of Jesus and want to honor him. We're grateful that the Spirit takes his truth and presses into us. And so we trust the Spirit and want Jesus to be honored. And it's in his name that we pray these things. Amen. Well, we are kicking off a new series, right? And here's kind of two things you want to do whenever you come to a book of the Bible. Every single book of the Bible <coughs> was written to a particular group of people who were facing a particular issue in their particular culture. Every single book of the Bible, every single writing in Scripture was written to a particular group of people in a moment, a particular moment. And in that particular moment, that particular people were facing some particular things. And the book was written to try to address that or remind them of things or to help them with those things. And so when you come to a book of the Bible, you want to think about first, okay, what were those people facing? What was their moment? And what do the truths of that scripture deal with and speak into in that moment? But then there's a second question that we want to ask when we come to scripture. And the second question is this, okay, what's going on in our moment? 
for a particular group of people today, right, as we read the scripture, what are we facing in our moment? And then the question is, what are the truths that were given to that church or that group of people a long time ago? How do those truths interact and relate to what we face today? The first question you want to face and question ask is, what were those people facing in a moment? And then you want to think about, okay, what are, what are we facing in a moment? In this moment, this Sunday, July 5th, we're in a unique, particular, cultural moment, right? If you don't believe me, look around, and you are all wearing masks, okay? I feel like this is like the Wild West, and you're all Jesse James about to rob my stagecoach or something, okay? Man, we're in a moment. It's a moment. We're all wearing masks. This room, like many churches who have reopened throughout the country, I mean, it's just, it's sparse. And then online viewing of churches, like many churches in the country, it's robust, and those are good. that's great. Those are good things, but it, it feels different in this moment. We didn't have a chance to hug each other, to fist bump each other, to elbow each other like we've done in, in a church for many, many years. It's a different moment, and probably the most telling thing that lets you and I know we're in a different moment is this. Calvary's been around for like, I don't know, 100, I should know this. I'm like on staff here. Don't fire me. It's been around for like 130 some odd years, and this is probably the first Sunday in 130 plus years of Calvary Church that people have walked through the doors of Calvary Church, and there's been no free coffee, right? When you start talking about not having free coffee in church, you know you're in a particular moment. We're in a particular moment. And those are just some of the many realities that we face today. And as we face all of those things in this moment, I am convinced that God and his sovereignty has us in the book of Ephesians. Because many of the things that we're facing today, there are truths from this book, there are truths from what those people faced a long time ago and how it related to them that relate directly to us today. And so today all I'm going to do is intro a sermon series. I made a promise to the first service that it was going to be shorter. And guess what? I think I set a record for shortness. But now I've already talked too much. So it won't. But like you all have masks on, right? So I don't want anybody to suffocate because I can't do mouth to mouth because of COVID. So it would be bad, right? So we're going to try to honor your time a little shorter, hopefully. And, and here's what we're going to see today. What we're going to see today is we're just going to overview and think about what are we going to see in Ephesians? As we join together, either in person or online in the coming weeks and months, what are we going to see in Ephesians? And then the second question we're going to think about is, okay, as we think about those truths, what have you and I seen? What have you and I experienced through COVID-19 already? And how do those two things relate? What are we going to see in the book of Ephesians? What have you and I experienced in our story the past few months? And then how do those two things relate? How do they connect? That's what we're going to talk about. So we're just going to press into the first verse. And the first verse, chapter 1, verse 1 of Ephesians today says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. This is a letter written by a church planner, by a pastor whose name is Paul. He wrote this letter back to a group of Christians in a church in the city of Ephesus a long time ago. The letter was then supposed to be distributed to other churches. And to kind of understand what we're going to see in Ephesians and the purpose of this, we need to understand Ephesus for a few minutes. So here's like a minute and a half kind of background on the city, the town, the culture in which the people who first got this letter we're living. What was it like? The city of Ephesus uh, today, right, the, the ancient city where you would find it today on a map, it's about, it's in modern-day Turkey, 
and it's about four miles off the Aegean Sea. So if you ever play Bible Jeopardy and people ask you, right, it's in modern-day Turkey, four miles off the Aegean Sea. In the city of Ephesus, when this letter was first ripped open and read, there were many different cults. There were many different religions. There were many different worldviews. The largest of all these cults was to a Greek goddess whose name was Artemis. Artemis. And in the city of Ephesus, if you drove into town to check it out, if you're going to stay at an Airbnb and spend a night in the city of Ephesus, you'd look over the kind of the outskirts of the city, and there was this massive temple that was built to F, uh, Artemis. It's actually one of the seven wonders of the world. One of the seven wonders of the world was this temple to Artemis there in Ephesus because tons of people worshipped Artemis. There were other religious groups there as well. Ephesus had this huge political influence. It was on a major trade route. So it was a commercial city. It was a city with its political influence, with its trade route, where people were coming and going, and there were lots of ideas being exchanged. In addition to Artemis, in addition to other worldviews, interestingly, magic was this huge kind of belief system, this, this huge thing that people clung to in the city of Artemis to try to find a deeper meaning or different purpose in life. There was a huge occult presence, right? Kind of think the idea of witchcraft, just this idea of magic. And in that city, with that big old temple, with all these people blending with their different ideas, with their different worldviews, with these different cults, with this, this big emphasis on magic to try to make life work, there were normal, ordinary followers of Jesus, just like you and just like me, who were in that moment, who were trying to figure out, okay, yeah, but there, I, I believe in Jesus, but there's still these, all these other competing things, and they would have to try to figure out, okay, wh what do I really trust in to make life work? What, what really can give me hope, right? If I want to try to have control over things, what worldview, what belief system can really give me the control that I yearn for? And as they were asking those questions, confronting with what do I trust in, what do I hope in, what's going to give me control over my life, Paul will begin in the very next sentence that will start next week, reminding them of some basic core foundational truths. And he's going to remind them of this as they're figuring those things out. He's going to remind them, hey, Jesus is our source of hope. And he's going to remind them that God is in control of everything. As they were trying to figure out ordinary people facing different moments in their life with lots of things that they could look to for control or lots of different things they can look to for hope, what Paul brings them back to is this idea that Jesus is the source of hope and there is hope that flows from Jesus and that every single aspect of your life, God is designing, God is authoring, and God is in control of. That's what we're going to see starting next week. What does that have to do with what you and I have seen throughout the past few months of this COVID deal? Well, for many of us, we've had to think about what gives us hope. We've had to think about where does our hope come from. And the second thing that, that we've experienced, that we've walked through, that relate to what Paul will see is this idea that for many of us, what we've realized is the thought that we have control is an illusion. What many of us have realized these past few months is, man, we, we got to figure out where is our hope really come from. <clears throat> and what many of us have realized these past few months is you thinking that you're actually in control and can control the things in your life 
That's an illusion. Think about February. Can you remember back what February was like? Give you a hint. It was before the word mask was even ever said in our culture, right? Think about, think about January. Think about New Year's Eve before you went to the big party. You wrote down some New Year's resolutions for 2020, right? You wrote down what you wanted to accomplish, what you wanted to do, what you were going to see happen coming out of January, coming into February. There may have been things where a lot of us thought we have things under control. Or if we didn't have things under control, we had a plan to get things under control. Many of us, maybe, man, we thought, hey, you know what? I've been working hard. I've been putting some money away for retirement. And we'd look at our portfolio in January or February or March, and we think, man, I'm good. Okay, this is good. I have some control. I have some savings. Maybe in February you were a student, and you looked at your freshman year, you looked at your senior year, you looked at the year when you finally made that team you wanted to, you were in that play that you wanted to perform in, or you were getting that award, and you thought, man, I got all sorts of plans for this year. I have all sorts of ideas about how it's going to work out. Maybe your job. Man, coming into this year, you had met some goals, you had met some objectives, you were on a path, you had a trajectory for what your career was going to look like in 2020. You thought, I thought, we thought that in so many ways we had control over things. And then it was about March 9th or 10th, and somebody in New York tested positive, and coronavirus hit, and then it's April, May, June, coming into July, and what many of us have realized is the thought that we're in control, that's an illusion. And we've become disillusioned, which actually isn't a bad thing because we don't have control. What many of us have realized is a germ that we can't even see with our naked eye has changed so much in a moment. And so it's timely, it's important as maybe some of us have felt unsettled by that lack of control, as we're yearning to get back in control. And not, look, I don't, who knows what next week's going to look like, right? We've been living like that. It's great. I'm, well, man, who knows? Are we going to be closed down again with everything popping in the south? We don't have control, and so it's timely. That as a culture, as a community that's felt that way, that God has us in the book of Ephesians to remind us where hope comes from and that there is hope that comes not from the size of your retirement portfolio, not from playing on that sports team your final year, not from that play performance you're excited about, but ultimate hope comes from Jesus. And in a place where we don't have control, we will be reminded in this book that God is in control of everything. And every aspect of your life he has authority over, and he is controlling, and he is sovereign. That's what we're going to be reminded of starting next week in the book of Ephesians. And then after Paul reminds us of those foundational things, what he's going to kind of do is he's going to kind of move into this big discussion for the rest of the book about this, about church, about Christian community. The big kind of idea of the book of Ephesians is that the big thing it's going to address, one of the primary points is church, is Christian community. It's like a blog post by Paul to the church about why church matters, about why Christian community matters. And so here's what we're going to see. The second thing we'll see as we move forward in this is Christian community matters. Christian community matters. And we're going to see not simply that it matters, but he's going to give us some ideals 
He's going to give us some goals. He's going to give us some big pictures about what this should look like. Theology and some ideals. Christian community matters. A local church matters. You and I connected together in community. This matters. And what does that have to do with what we've seen the past few months through COVID-19? Well, here's where we've been. Here's what we've seen. That our connection as a church has given some stability in some unstable times. My, your connection to me, your connection to somebody else, our connection to each other has given so many of us some stability in some unstable times. When this corona things hit, when everybody, when you sensed, when leadership sensed that we're going to start to close down, that we're not going to be able to do this anymore, the heartbeat of so many of you, the heartbeat of our elders and our staff and our leaders, and the heartbeat of so many of you was this question that was drumming was this, okay, how do we care for each other? As people are getting sick, as people are getting laid off, as people are stressed about jobs, how do we care for each other? The heartbeat of so many of you was how can we try to make sure that nobody feels alone? The heartbeat of so many of us was how can we try to make sure that those people who may live alone know that they're not alone because we're all in this together. And so you texted each other. We called each other. We wrote notes to each other. You checked in with people who you knew were stressed about jobs. We checked in. Church matters. And it's in moments like this that our connection together has given some stability to each other in unstable times. And church matters because it connects us, but one of the amazing things that we got to hear the stories from so many of you was your desire, how do we care for each other, and then how can we as a church care for our larger community? So you know what? Uh, You guys made masks, a bunch of you. And those masks were given to nursing homes. You guys gave some PPE equipment, which were given to first responders. You gave benevolence funds that could be used to help people in our church who was hurting and different local ministries that needed some support. What we're going to see in the book of Ephesians is that this matters. As we've navigated an unstable time, our connection to one another has given some stability to all of us together for a community. It it was the middle, I don't know when it was, I don't, you know, I guess it's Sunday today. I know that because you're here listening to me. So sometime between March 9th and now, man, kind of right in the middle of the, just, just, the, just the slugging it through that a lot of us felt of the coronavirus, right? Just like right around the moment when it kind of landed that like, wow, this is like what life's going to be like. Right, you, you kind of stepped into the quicksand trying to navigate the coronavirus, but then it seems like we just got sucked into it and just in the, the cement of the change and a little bit of the despair of the new normal. We were all working remotely, but some folks would come to check mail and things like that. And some of you made this little sign. 
I think some students made it. It was stuck right by the door. And it says, thank you, Calvary Church. Stay safe. <clears throat> then an awesome little note, Bible verse, about how people were giving thanks. And, man, this was an encouragement to us. Your care, your connection, somebody just writing this note and leaving it for us, for your pastors and your staff and your leaders, this gave some encouragement. This gave some stability when we were facing unstable times. You've helped us, and we've tried hard to help you because we matter to one another. Church matters. Paul's writing this blog post on church, and so then what he's going to do is he's going to start to flesh out some ideals about it, right? And what's the reality that God wants for us, right? What does God want you and I to look like? What, what's something that he wants churches to just shine out? Well, there's a word that's repeated again throughout the book as we get into it. And the most repeated word in the book, well, maybe not. Maybe the word the is repeated a lot. One highly repeated word in the book of Ephesians. You know what the word is? Unity. Unity. You know what the second most repeated word, you know what another highly repeated word after that is? Love. Paul's saying that the church matters. Paul's then is going to shine. We'll see a spotlight on what he wants the church to look like. And he's going to use the word unity, 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 love, love, love. Here's what we're going to see throughout the book of Ephesians. We're going to see God's desire is for unity in the church. God's desire is for unity in the church. And how does that relate <clears throat> to our particular moment? How does that relate to what you and I are facing today? Well, well, here's what we've seen through the coronavirus, through COVID, is Calvary Church. And don't jump ahead of me. Let me unpack. Hey, man, we're united. We're united. One of the most encouraging things for the pastors and leaders is, man, there's been some tough decisions. We've done some things well. We've done some things poorly. But, man, you know what's been great through all that? We have been together in this united. We've not broken into factions. There's been no fighting. Man, we've all been in the boat rowing trying to figure this out. We've been united. But, but here's kind of just my sense as I look at culture, as I think about us. But you know what? Nothing, there is nothing, there's no nasty email in my inbox that's making me say this, but this is just something we have to be careful of. Division, disunity, man, it could be crouching at that front door. I don't mean Jim Taylor on the stool welcoming you when you came in. We've been united in this season. We've been strong. But we need not put our guard down because division and disunity could be crouching at our door. There is immense division in our country. Immense. <clears throat> and we would be ignorant to think that that can't seep through the concrete walls of this building into our church. And we must remain united. We must cling and guard and protect what we've had. And I think that God has us in Ephesians to remind us of the importance of unity, not because we're disunified, but to enhance it, to build upon it. A few weeks ago, I went to help my parents move. They were switching be uh, some bedrooms around and stuff. And they had this piece of furniture. They had a dumpster, they had a piece of furniture, uh, and they were throwing it out. It wasn't a piece of furniture like that. 
you know, anybody here gave to them or I gave a piece of furniture they didn't want, and it wouldn't quite fit in the dumpster. So my dad's like, hey, I got a sledgehammer. Why don't you just sledge it? And I'm like, I feel like that would be kind of traumatic, right? Like it's this rocking chair or something. Like I don't want my mom to cry as I'm destroying it. So I thought to myself, you know what, maybe I'll just take a little gentler approach. Maybe I'll saw it. So uh, my dad didn't have a sawzall. Most disappointing thing of my life, right? Uh, but he did have this rusty old saw from like 1967, right? So I'm up on the dumpster. I'm trying to be all cool, trying to be Bob the Builder. And I'm sawing this thing. And just as my sweet wife is saying, don't saw towards your own hand, guess what I did? And now there's blood squirting. There's all sorts of excitement. There's flesh hanging out. Well, it wasn't really that bad, but it sounds good. And it was rusty. Like it been, and so the big question then was like, all of a sudden, my sweet family who cares about me is like, oh my gosh, that thing's rusty. You're going to get tetanus, right? You're going to get lockjaw. You'll never be able to speak to us again. Please, Jesus, let him get lockjaw, right? But <clears throat> there was this big concern about, do you need tetanus shot? You, and I'm like, bro, I went to Brazil a few years ago. I got me my tetanus. But here's the deal. Tetanus booster, right, became the big discussion. I already had my tetanus shot. I already was good with that. But then a tetanus booster kind of comes along, and it gives you more of what you already have. You're already okay against the tetanus, but then this booster comes along just to make sure you're strong and make sure you're good and make sure you get a little more of it, and I think that's what the book of Ephesians is for you and I. Man, we, we got our unity, but this is a booster for us to strengthen and to enhance and to tighten the unity that we already have. We are not going to become, I've said this in some things, we're not going to become divided over masks. Okay? Like back in the day, churches divided over this thing, drums. Or they divided over that, PowerPoint versus hymnal. Duh, I'm the drum, I'm the no drum, I'm the PowerPoint, I'm the no pound, I'm the real piano, I'm the not. We ain't going like, to let the next surge of church division become over masks. Okay? So obviously we all have to wear masks we're in here. But here's the deal. If someone gets out of their car in their parking lot and they don't put their mask on in 42 nanoseconds, we're not going to be the people who start to divide over that and judge them, okay? If you, at the same time, if you're driving down the road to go get your little pickup bagels and you see someone from Calvary Church who's wearing a mask alone in their car, we're not going to judge them for that, right? We're not going to fight over this deal. We're not going to become divided over it. We're not going to fight over the rate at which we reopen and try to do this. Like I said in a video, you have a pastoral team who has decades of ministry experience combined. Decades <coughs> combined. We have never done this before. And, and we're not going to fight about how fast or how slow of reopening. Man, there are people, you guys are here today because you feel comfortable, I guess, or someone really guilted you into coming, I don't know. But man, there's hundreds of people online today who for whatever reason didn't want to come. That's okay. We're not going to become like the little group who thinks we're better Christians because we come to church in our mask and those people listening to me right now on their internet are not as good. We're not going to divide. There may be people you know who used to come to Calvary Church who choose not to come here for six more months. We're not going to divide. We're not going to fight over that. We're going to stay unified. And let me just tell you, it's an election year. And we are not going to divide over politics. Thank you for amening, because I would have worked for that amen. <clears throat> I've been a pastor for a while. I have never, ever, ever stood in front of a group that I pastor 
and supported a political candidate or not supported a political candidate. And I am not going to start now. This isn't about a political candidate. We're gathered together about Jesus. And for the next six months, we're going to talk about Jesus. And we're not going to divide over politics. And we need you to help us with that. If you have friends of yours who are on social media who come to Calvary, please don't get into political fights with other people at Calvary over politics. And if you have anybody on social media or you're on social media, don't get in a fight with anybody over politics. I know in the moment that you put that post up there, you think it's the most profound thing you've ever written. I mean, you are angry as a hornet's nest. It's not the best thing you've ever written. And I just look at what some people put, and I'm like, what are we doing? Well, let's not become that church. Let's not be those people. Because it makes Jesus look really silly. We're not going to divide about masks. We're not going to divide about rate of reopening. We're not going to divide and fight about who chooses to come and when people choose to come. And we're not going to divide over politics because what the book of Ephesians is about, it's about the fact that unity matters. And I think God has us in this book for this moment as a bullet to that. Paul then takes this idea of unity one step deeper. <clears throat> and what we're going to see is not only does God desire unity among all people, but God desires unity among all races. God desires unity among all races. In chapter 2 at the second big part, what he's going to talk about is, man, how there was this dividing wall of hostility that divided two racial groups. Two racial groups that despise each other with hostility between it. And what Paul's going to say is that Jesus has smashed down that wall. And there cannot be and must not be division among people of different races. That's what we will see, the third thing. And man, you know what we've seen during COVID? Could it be any more timely? We've seen that issues of racism and prejudice, there are issues that must be addressed. We've watched it with George Floyd. We've watched it with Ahmaud Aubrey. We could go on and on. And every single one of you, if we were to pass a mic, every single person listening online probably has a different perspective or viewpoint on that, which in and of itself shows that there are issues of racism and prejudice that need to be talked about, conversations to be had. And God has us in the book of Ephesians. We're in the second chapter, third biggest, fourth biggest paragraph. What he's talking about, man, is in a church. And because of Jesus, hostility that separates different people groups is not to be tolerated and not something God wants. And so we're going to see that. And I'm so grateful, right? I mean, in God's timing, we're talking about this. And I'm so grateful that a few weeks ago, some of you may have checked it online, we called a timeout on Joshua when we brought Rob and Alex up here and we sat on that amazing circular black table, right? And we listened to their story and we listened to their perspective about their experience with racism. And what I just want to say is, man, this, this isn't a one and done issue. It's not a one and done issue because the Bible doesn't make it a one and done issue because the Bible says the dividing wall of hostility has been destroyed in Jesus. So don't you dare have a dividing wall of hostility you put up as people who follow Jesus. 
And so I can assure you that the elders have been spending hours in prayer and conversation, thinking about, okay, God's brought us to this point as a church to talk about this. How do we talk about it well? How do we talk about it not as a one and done? And what role do you and I have in playing in this conversation of racism and prejudice and unity? And we're excited about starting to have those conversations and share some thoughts on that in the coming weeks. Unity matters. Unity among all people matter. And then the final kind of big idea we're going to see in the book of Ephesians is this, what we're going to see towards the end of it is family matters. Family matters. <clears throat> and what Paul's going to say is, hey, if you're part of a church, well, man, there's a certain way you live together as a church to honor Jesus. And part of that is that if you're part of a family, you live a certain well as a f- way as a family who are then part of a church to honor Jesus as part of that. And so family matters in the book of Ephesians. You know what you and I have seen these past few months through the corona deal? Guess what we've seen? We've seen that family matters. A bunch of us have a different type of family. It may look different. For some people, your family is just you. You're alone for whatever reason. But there are a bunch of us who have different family members, maybe local, maybe not local. But here's what we've all experienced. Many of us have experienced the coronavirus. Man, when it all got stripped away, when we couldn't go on playdates anymore with our little elementary school kids, when our kids couldn't go to school, when we couldn't go out to eat with friends, when we couldn't have dinner at people's houses, right? When we couldn't play on the sports team, when we didn't go to work anymore, when it was all taken away. Do you know what a bunch of us were left with? Family. Family. That's all we had. When it shrunk down to the most basic, core, fundamental unit of relationship. Do you know what that fundamental core unit of relationship was for so many of us, if not all of us? It was family. And family matters. And for some of us, the corona thing has been an amazing time as a family. And it's something we look back on and will look back on and think, man, I had moments with a family that I won't have again. But maybe for some of you, your time together as a family through the coronavirus, it was not a good time. And it was a hard time. And in a time where we're all still dealing with what does it look like to be a family in this moment? How do we live as a family in this moment? When we see that family matters, God has us a book in the Bible that talks about how family matters. And we're going to see instructions in this book for husbands. We're going to see instructions in this book for wives. We're going to see instructions in this book for kids who are all part of a local church. And the way that you live well in a local church is by living well in your family. And for some of you, if it's been a rough time together as a family, This book isn't a magic wand. This book will not fix it necessarily overnight. Can God fix things overnight? Absolutely. But many times if we have a pattern of years that has gotten us into a certain way of living, it takes more than a moment to get out of that pattern. But here's what I'll offer to some of you. If it's been a tough time as a family, man, if... if, if we'll listen to what God says about how we're to live as husbands and wives and kids, if you will be able to listen and to do it, it might just put you in a better chance to succeed. Family matters. And so that's what we're going to see in our next few weeks together. And they're timely because of what you and I have gone through. And so, man, whether you're online and going to check us out again next week or try to come here and check us out or whether you're here and go back online next week or whatever you choose to do, we look forward to being back together to studying God's Word.
I was not as short as the first sermon. I took an extra minute and 36 seconds, but that's okay. There were more of you, so I had to reinforce some things the way I right? But we've missed you guys. We've missed you guys. And we've missed whichever TV camera has my face right now. And we love you guys. We care about you. And we are deeply, deeply grateful for what you mean to all of us as pastors and elders and staff. So thanks for walking and navigating this moment with us. Um, and we look forward to what God has. God has been doing something in Calvary Church for 130 plus years, and he ain't finished yet. And he is doing something different, and I think he's doing something new in this season of Calvary, and it's going to be great to be part of it. So let me pray. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you that despite all sorts of circumstances that may change and moments in life that change, your word never changes. So we're grateful for the Spirit. We pray for strength today. We're thankful that you who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. And we trust your work and your sanctification in our lives as we think about how we walk well as Christians and walk well as a local church. Amen.